Hello, it's great to have you with us. I'm your host, John Martin, and you're listening to Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with Brian Johnston. Many thanks for tuning in and giving us the privilege of your company. Today, Brian brings us talk number two in this new series of ten, and as usual, it's firmly based on the Bible, and this series is all about the New Testament model for Christian church life. What God intended when New Testament Christian disciples began collective service for God. It's something that we can enjoy today, too. But what actually is a church? Well, that's what Brian's going to tell us now. So, Brian. Thanks, John. We've previously shown that God's desire is for Christians to be gathered together and to serve him together. This was demonstrated right from the start of Christianity with the first Christians believing and practising a shared teaching known as the Apostles' Teaching. We now want to analyse various gatherings of people in the New Testament of the Bible which are referred to as churches. Basically, so that we can understand what a church really is when it's stripped right down to its essentials. In other words, we're asking, what is a church? The very same New Testament Greek word for church actually refers to six quite different things in the New Testament. Let's find out what they are. We begin in the Bible book of Acts, in chapter 19. The scene is set in Ephesus. Paul's preaching had produced a downturn in business for the makers of pagan shrines there. Reacting to that, the craftsmen, such as silversmiths, all grouped together in united opposition against Paul and his preacher companions. Dr. Luke's report says some were shouting one thing and some another, for the assembly was in confusion and the majority did not know for what reason they had come together. That's found in Acts 19 verse 32. Now, the word assembly there is the same word in fact which in other places is translated as church. Here, obviously, in context, it's being used to describe something like an unruly first ever trades union congress a gathering of tradesmen called out to assemble in protest against the Christian message, which seemed to be bad for their business. We'll stay in the book of Acts for our second reference. It's found in Acts 7 and verse 38, and there we read of how Stephen, the first Christian martyr, described Moses to the Jews as the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness, together with the angel who was speaking to him on Mount Sinai, and who was with our fathers, and he received living oracles to pass on to you. So, in his historical overview of Israel's Old Testament history, Stephen refers to the congregation in the wilderness. That word congregation is again a translation of the same word usually translated as church. And what was this congregation in the desert? It was the encampment of the children of Israel, of course, as they travelled through the desert and onward to the land God had promised them. Our next example is found in Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 16, verse 18, where we find Jesus asking his disciples, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. All who profess faith, like Peter, are built into what is spoken of here as Christ's church. 
But this is no institution or denomination on earth. This is the church, biblically and quite metaphorically, known as Christ's body, into which all Christian believers of the present age have been incorporated irrespective of whether they are now dead or alive. We'll have more to say about this later. But next up is 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2, where we read, To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, with all who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. This use of the word church is the most obvious one we've encountered so far. It's fully described as the church of God at Corinth. So it was the local group of Christian disciples based in that locality, the locality of Corinth, who were continuing to be faithful to the things which the Apostle Paul had taught them before he moved away from that area. By contrast, the following use of the word church in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 needs just a little more care. This is Paul's first Bible letter to Timothy, and he says, I'm writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. The Bible text here explains this church of the living God as being the household of God. This is something in which behaviour counts, as we can see from the reference there about conduct. And the reading here has just been preceded by a discussion regarding potential candidates for the church offices of deacon and elder. When the Bible uses the descriptor household or house of God, as can be seen from other instances where it occurs, it's speaking about something wider than just the local church of God which we encountered earlier. It is, in fact, as Ephesians chapter 2 shows, the fitly framing of all the local churches together so that they are seen to form one overall temple in the eyes of God. In other words, this use of church, in parallel with the term the household of God, relates to the New Testament people of God as a whole, as they are found in all their different church locations. So finally, as we trace through the different times the word church is used, we come to Hebrews 12 and verse 23. This is a most interesting verse. We read the one before it and the one after it also. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. No prize is for guessing that this is a heavenly scene that's being described, and the close proximity of the mention of angels leads me to conclude that the church mentioned, which is more literally the church of the firstborn ones, is in fact a reference to some company of angels. These firstborn ones would appear to be angelic beings of the first rank, judging by the cascading references to myriads of angels, the general assembly, and then this reference to a company or gathering of firstborn ones. It's best not to be dogmatic, but if what I've presented is indeed the case, then we've now looked at a total of six different Bible applications of the same word, 
the word generally translated as church in the New Testament. It's the word ecclesia, and this is commonly taken to describe those of whom it can be in some way said that they are called out and called together. Even if we don't rely on justifying that meaning from the two component parts of this word, that clearly is the meaning when we review the various applications of it which we've been studying. For we've seen tradesmen, sinners, Christian disciples and angels as those who were called out and gathered together to form each of the particular churches in question. So what this Bible study has shown, I trust, is that if we are asked which one of the following is the proper description of a church and the options offered were a building, an organisation and a collection of people, I hope we'd all agree, irrespective of any modern usage, that the actual biblical definition of church has to be that of a collection of people. Well, having looked at six different things the same word church is applied to in the New Testament, we'd have to say that the two types of church referred to most frequently by far in the New Testament are the church which is Christ's body and the churches of God. The first application then is single and unique, whereas the latter is plural. That alone is sufficient to show that the designation the church of God cannot possibly be an alternative title for the church which is Christ's body. These are not the same churches at all. However, in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27, the Apostle Paul does tell the local church of God at Corinth that it is the body of Christ in character. Those Christians at Corinth were not the whole body of Christ, of course, for there were Christian believers existing elsewhere at that time, for example, in the local church of God at Jerusalem. As we said, there were many local churches of God, but only one church, which is Christ's body. It's vital to distinguish between these because churches of God, fitted together to become God's earthly temple, are said to be capable of being destroyed through such means as corrupt teaching. But on the other hand, the church which is Christ's body can never be destroyed, the Lord having stated unequivocally that the gates of Hades cannot prevail against it. And another thing, believers, sadly, may be disfellowshipped or put away from a local church, but no true believer on Christ can ever be dismembered from the body. Local churches have overseers and deacons, but in the body, Christ is the head. The underlying reality of the relationship between the body and each local representation of it within a church of God must be acknowledged, while we appreciate that these things are not one and the same as such. In order for local churches of God to appropriately express the glorious and eternal union of believers in the body of Christ, it has to be that those local churches are all integrated into an overall unity, one facilitated by the governance of a fellowship of elders. Else, how could earthly disagreement in doctrine and conduct be a worthy representation of the spiritual reality of the body of Christ? This should give us plenty food for thought as we look around on so much denominational chaos today. How God longs for earthly unity to mirror spiritual reality.
With this series of talks, there's a transcript booklet and it's free. So if you'd like one or more, please tell us. I'm about to give you our contact details, so if you've got pen and paper to hand, here's our postal and our email address. Search for Truth, P.O. Box 70115, Chilomani, Blantyre, Malawi. And our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, it's been a pleasure to have your company. Many, many thanks. We appreciate your interest in these programmes. During the next two weeks, Brian looks closely at the first local New Testament church in our Bibles to see what we can learn. I hope you can join us. But until then, very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you. <laughs>